Guys, we're back, and so is labor peace in the NHL. Finally. Woo! I'm excited. We're here, guys. This is a first? Yeah. So, how are you guys first? Um, I'm okay. The word of the week is progress. Sorry? The word of the week is progress. Okay, okay. Like it. Mm-hmm. We don't have the read of the week anymore. We have the word of the week. The yes. word of the week. I like we it. cut it down a bit. I like it. There's certain two words that, uh, if you love to talk about a certain two words, a uh, certain reporter for ASPN said a colorful oh. two words to a senator. That was uh, that's something. Uh, we won't talk about that today, but uh, that will be a story to keep an eye on. Um, good old Adrian Wojinski. Wojinowski. Wojinowski. All right. It's Woj, as we'll call it. Woj. The Woj. Okay. It's just so difficult to say. Yeah. At least comments were crazy, though, on that tweet or his apology. Like the comments, man. Like the, the gifts were. Free Woj. I haven't, even gotten in, I haven't even gotten into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, and then like, the senator has like, invited the ESPN's president to come talk. It's. Oh, man, it, the politics are messy. But, guys, we're going to talk something else. The Styrian Grand, this is hockey podcast, but we have to talk about the Styrian Grand Prix, the second round of the 2020 season for Formula One. And, guys, taking home pole position I hope, and he I hope won the British man, Lewis Hamilton. I hope our video doesn't get taken down for copyright infringement because you played the British God national anthem. Save Lewis Hamilton. Oh. Daniel, just remember if our video gets taken down off YouTube, we're blaming all right. it all on Adam. I'd like yeah. to say I'm sorry, YouTube, for all of that, and I yeah. hope everything's okay. Lewis Hamilton. We do not own any of those rights to the. Uh, the British National Act. I did I you have, have to say that or something in like the description so you'll put it down. I don't know. I we'll find that. out. We'll find out when like, I upload it. I know it. nothing. I always, I always see that in listen, YouTube channels. Listen, I'm we'll English. I have British blood. I was I born on British soil. Don't so think I that's have how it right. Don't think I have that's a how right. it works. That's definitely not how it works on YouTube. <laughs> Fellas, anyway. How do, you, how do you copyright a national anthem? Anyway, I don't know. Um, that's so dumb. You shouldn't be able to own that. I don't actually know if that's the case, to be honest. But well, let's stop talking. About I, it. I, I hope be it more is because it'd be really funny. Mm, but guys, yeah, Lewis Hamilton, his 85th yeah, career awesome. win after Toto described his qualifying as a unicorn because it was so in the rain, more than a second over Verstappen. My and he was that Mercedes are so dominant. Verstappen didn't have a chance today. It was bad. No, I, I, I'm pretty sure I said it last week um, that Hamilton has this chip on his shoulder because you don't we, we don't really know how long the season is. I think right now it's at 10 races. You could add more. They, they could add more, right? They just added um, another uh, track in Italy, and they added the track in Russia. But all this can be canned real quick. Mm-hmm. So I think he has a chip on his shoulder to say I need to be at the top, and I, I'm not sure if he, I'm pretty sure he's. Uh, I don't think he's at the top of the the drivers' championship. No, he's cause, second because so. because Bottas won and then came in second. But if again, I feel like I, this is. I keep saying this about Red Bull. If he didn't. If Verstappen didn't have the – I think he had an issue with 
uh, his one of his wing front wings. I think it was the right side, and he yeah. was keeping pace, like relative pace, um, ahead of Botas. And then he had front wing damage, and it was just over because the Mercedes car is so much more dominant than any other car. Alex, sorry, you know, Alex Albon fan, but uh, man, as as talented as a young driver he is, and how good Max is, and Verstappen said it himself, uh, Red Bull are just not fast enough. That engine has been a woe for them. Renault, when they were with them, now even Honda. It, uh, I don't know how Red Bull are going to go this year. Dan. I think if you take Mercedes out of the mix, let imagine we had a Formula One season without Mercedes. I didn't know your name was Daniel. I'm just talking. I don't. I don't care. <laughs> what no, that's okay. Daniel Alex has talk? good observations. So no, no, don't worry. I Alex didn't hear has... you say Daniel. Okay, whatever. <laughs> go. It's going to be the entire episode. Go. Oh, no, don't worry about it. No, it's like. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but yeah. Big day for Red Bull. I know the engine didn't really go there, but yeah, fun fact because uh, my family and I are looking for a new car, and we've just always been looking at Honda. So, you know, I have to go with Red Bull. Which one? Which one does he drive? He drives a Honda Civic Type R. Yeah, that's a good, nice car. Fast yeah. car. Christian's not going to be happy with him today. You know, you're in a bad position when Verstappen can have a pre free pit stop at the end of the race with damages to his car. Guys, though, it's time to go into hockey. We discussed it earlier. Uh, we're going to do a deeper dive into the CBA, but just for now, we'll just quick thoughts from both of you, starting with Alex. Uh, the CBA has been ratified, and it runs until 2026. Labor peace for six years, fellas. Yeah, this is um, exciting. We don't have to do deal with a, a lockout. Mm-hmm. Which, if I'm being honest, I don't think there was going to be a lockout this time around. Be just looking at what, uh, what's going on around. Like, despite okay, t- remove the whole pandemic that's going on. I think if we let's say we weren't in a pandemic, I think you look at what's coming up, Seattle and the US TV deal. I don't really think it gives the NHL a good look to head in because I believe it would have been next year that they could have. Mm-hmm that it would have been a lockout. Imagine Seattle's first year being a lockout or their year before the US TV deal runs out. It's a lockout. It doesn't look good on the NHL. And I think they, I think they took advantage. I think the players took advantage of that as well and getting some certain things that maybe on a regular CBA might not have happened. Mm-hmm. Daniel. Yeah, <clears throat> it's I, I like I'm actually like pretty happy with a lot of the things they kind of agreed on. I know the big headline thing is everyone's been talking about the Olympics, but I think like the revenue aspect of everything has you know they they found pretty good ways to kind of move around it. Like the minimum wage rising by fifty thousand to seven hundred and fifty thousand now. I think that's pretty good for a lot of players that you know they're not exactly you know your your roster fixtures. Yeah. Or anything. Um, escrow's been, you know, it's it's been curved. It's been put out of restriction. And what else have we been looking at? Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I think they could get back that revenue. I think the number they put was $4.8 that they would have to hit for next season or the season after, I, I believe, for the salary cap to rise. But yeah, it's kind of good that, 
yeah, I'm kind of happy that they were able to keep the cap at 81.5 even until next year that, you know, you don't see any rollback. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think we'll get to it later, but I think I don't think the Olympics was um, the player's <laughs> biggest win. There are uh, there are some real good snippets in there, and yeah, you're, you're right. We will do a nice little um, quick dive on each of us will pick one big you know aspect of the CBA we really like. Then we'll do a quick fire on to uh, some other notable notes. But um, guys, we have a real return to the Power Hour. So many great little pieces of news came out this week. Stuff that normally would be such massive headlines, but we'll start with this: the New Jersey Devils have hired their new head coach. Elaine Nezradine did not get the job. Instead, the Devils, who I thought, you know, you look at the, I thought they were maybe going a new direction with this kind of committee by general manager. Tom Fitzgerald, side note, is officially GM, but Lindy Ruff has been named the new head coach of the New Jersey Devils. And um, Daniel, you have been a fan since I, I want to say Lindsey Ruff, um, Ruff started. So what do you make of this hire? The guy in uh, charge of New York's defense is not the head coach of the Devils. Yeah, it was kind of a weird thing. Like, you know, he has – what's Mike? Sorry? Oh, no. Oh, I think Daniel's gone. Oh, dear. Yeah, I'm um, just going to pause it. I'm gonna, okay. Yeah, okay. I'll go and then I'll we'll figure it out. Um. <laughs> Yeah, it's just an, it's just another one of those. In my opinion, I'm really happy that they stuck with Tom Fitzgerald. I think, you know, looking at the things he did moving up until the deadline, you know, looking at Vatanen, um, or moving Vatanen, sorry, moving Wayne Simmons, those were really good moves. Like, I think there were other guys he could have moved, but I, I, I'm not surprised that he didn't. Like, looking at someone like Kyle Palmieri, you know, is that someone, maybe that's someone they look at moving next year or if that's a guy they want to keep, that's a guy they want to keep. But I think for the most part, he did a good job at, you know, working with the deals that were expiring this year instead of letting, mm-hmm. instead of letting them walk. But in terms of the coaching, the, there's a part of me that wants to say this doesn't come to a surprise, that this is... Isn't a surprise, but I thought it. I really thought they would be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to Lindy Ruff or bringing back Lindy Ruff, just I, I don't know what you see. Like, why it just seems like another move that is another 200 hockey men type move. Like, yeah. was there real, you know, you look at how the Devils did. Without, without, um, who was their coach? Why is the name not coming to me? John Hines. John Hines. When John Hines got fired and Elaine Nazardine was hired, you know he he did turn that team around somewhat. You know, yes, they have Mackenzie Blackwood, who who, despite being on, I don't know what that team was, is a pretty decent goalie. But Alain uh, Nazardine really did help. Like, I think we've talked about it multiple times that New Jersey looked completely different. Number one, without Taylor Hall. And number two, with Alain Nazardine. Mm-hmm. Why, don't you, why don't you say, hey, why don't we even... Like, it's not like New Jersey's going fi- like, to fix, fix themselves over this summer. Or 
maybe next summer, right? Like, I think this is going to be somewhat of a process. Well, they, they do have, I don't think it's as long as you, well, how long would you think? Because remember, they got a lot of good young players. They have another good draft pick. This yeah, what I'm saying is, why don't you give Alain Nazardine a chance? Why bring, why, why go the route of bringing in Lindy Ruff is the question. Like, try something. It seemed like having Alain Nazardine there wasn't the worst thing for the team. But to go out and bring, bring Lindy Ruff. He's part of that weird generation of, like, Ken Hitchcock. Like that whole like yeah. time generation. Like Lindy Ruff is just such a a weird hire, and he just feels so like such. A, it, it feels like taking two steps back, wise. And again, I mentioned that this is the guy who's in charge of the New York Rangers defense. Now, obviously, he'll have assistance, but I mean, this is already a Devils team that. I mean, there's a reason they're on Steve Dang. It's every other week. This is the team that scored, I think it was three or four own goals. I mean, P.K. Subban, I love the guy, but has just been a turnover machine. I don't understand the hire either. And I think you're right. Nezardine really turned that team into, I want to say, watchable. Um, you always have to be careful with, you know, those kind of those teams that are out of it and then they have a great second half of the season. But still, um, it is – I am trying to stall for Daniel to come back. I won't. I won't lie here. Yeah, yeah. In no, sorry. Do you have more to say? I do you have more to say? Uh, I was just going to talk about Fitzgerald. If, if we want okay, to say about. Well, I was just going to say, like, I'm looking at Lindy Ruff's coaching record. The last time he was a head coach was 16-17 with Dallas. Like, I, I'm. He was with Dallas for four years. He made the playoffs his first year, missed the playoffs his second year, made the playoffs the third year and missed it the year after. And that's, um, I'd assume that's what's got him fired. Yes. He was, man, he, he hasn't been, what was the last time he made it to, I'm assuming you have hockey DB up. I have uh, his Wikipedia page up, but I have I, the results. What's up? When was the last time he made a conference finals? And it's, I mean, I want to think Buffalo days. Here. The conference finals. Yes. Was two thousand six, two thousand and seven, with the Buffalo Sabers. Yeah, so more than a decade ago was the last time this guy had the slightest bit of success. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm just thinking along the lines of: is Lindy? Is there an issue inside the locker room, or because there's so many young players? Because to me, and, and it's not on, like, I don't think Lindy Ruff maybe isn't necessarily on that same level, but it reminds me of the Mike Babcock hiring in terms of Mike Babcock and Lou Lamorello were, all, were brought in to fix the, yes, the reputation of the club. I don't know if that's something we need to, the devils need to do, but, you know, it's a real kick in the ass for the players to have Lindy Ruff. I, it, I don't know what his coaching style inside the room is. But he screams old, old fashioned, doesn't he? A little you, bit, a little you, bit. DJ Smith is the kind of coach I think would be perfect for the devils. Yeah. Someone that can make the team watchable, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I guess 
because we are trying to have a bit more where we are we are working on condensing the show and making it a, you know not two hours an episode so yeah. unfortunately we'll, we'll move on because we're still waiting we'll, for daniel. we'll just pause why don't we just pause and wait for daniel and then, then we'll start yeah, up yeah. again okay. all right see you in a second yeah all right uh we're back uh before we move on daniel since you are back uh just quickly your thoughts on lindy ralph and tom fitzgerald yeah, I don't know. With Lindy, it's kind of, you know, I remember when he was like, you know, that fixture on Buffalo all those many moons ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they had a pretty competitive team, you know, even when things kind of slumped, maybe like an early round exit, they kept him around. And, you know, he's a guy you kind of always saw with the national team. So it's, it's just like, you know, it's it just kind of feels like as much as I liked him, even on Dallas at some points, what the Devils should have kind of gone is a new approach, like a fresh face mm-hmm. because nothing is really working. And then like, it is, you know, I hate using the old boys club, but it feels like this. The revolving door of the yeah. same Monty coach. It's Tom Fitzgerald. I kind of felt that, you know, we'll see what it could bring to the team. Like I'm kind of already skeptical about this hire, but uh, I don't like, I really thought Rishiro could have turned it around here. I, really? I, yeah, I don't know how you kept him in the job after all those off-season moves, though. I don't. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, but we'll go to another hire. And this is a this is a really really good one. The Minnesota Wild, who are slated to play the Vancouver Canucks in the opening round of the qualifier, will. Sorry, no, they did sign former Canucks director of amateur scouting, Judd Brackett. I love this so much, fellas. It adds, not really, I don't think the players are really going to care about it, but to us, to the media, it just adds another little layer to that. But the Wild, who needs something to go right for them, have this guy. They have Judd. It sounds like it's going right. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm telling you, this is going to be a nasty team. Just Judd Brackett. Guy's going to be a draft they're going to be draft gods, okay? <laughs> just, just, they almost, let's remember, they almost traded Zach Parise, that contract. I thought it was like an unmovable contract. Well, it's but, a lot more movable now. Yeah. Than until later about the CBA. It, it, it's another little – Minnesota are starting to get a little team together there. Well, Bill Guerin, you know, Maybe. did a really good job in the um, – in, in, oh, my God, why can't – in the Zucker deal, sorry. Yeah. Um, getting Kalen Addison back. And then, you know, um, you, <laughs> Paul Fenton, I kind of start – I start feeling a little bad for him because, why? man, the Grandland deal looked really bad. But now Kevin Fiala – is starting to look like a real star. So, you know, you've got a piece there, you know. How about you've that got... Victor Rask deal? Oh. Everyone gets one. Still, still, still. Okay. It was shocking. Huh? It's like a GM being fired in a year. Is like yeah. A... The one thing I just had with the Kevin Fiala deal is just, I think the approach Benton had to it where he's like, yeah, I didn't even look at the advanced stats. I didn't look at anything. I just wanted the guy. Yeah. It's like I had a feeling about him. I mean, like that's what the scout said. Anyway, though, but Minnesota get – I can't really remember, like, the last few players they've really even 
developed who are real names to speak of. Dubnik, they Dubnik's been shopped around the league like nothing. Yeah. They signed Parise and Suter. Dumba. Yeah, Dumba. Bro, uh, Brodeen. And then. Oh, um, who else is there? Kirill Kaprasov. Everyone's talking about that, him. Who's going to come uh, next year? Yeah, fifth round pick, 2015. And then just out of there, it's like it's kind of like Dallas. Like they've got the good guy, but it's just like there's nothing really else. Especially at forward, there's nothing real. Like there's Jordan Greenway, Luke Coonan might be something, but then it just kind of feels like a bit of a ghost town there because they've never been bad enough to get those legitimate picks either. They like getting like those defensive guys that they're hoping their offense kind of catches up to them, like Joel Erickson. Like Mm -hmm. it's a guy that you know. It's either he's going to be like ceiling third line center or he'll become something more that he could put into the top six, but it's looking more like the former right now. Which is not good for the wild. Um, but, but in all seriousness, Judd Brackett, great hire for them. Absolutely. And it'll be, I hope someone gets a chart to start comparing the draft picks of the wild and the Canucks over the next few years. Now that Brackett is gone. Um, Another – so we're still on Minnesota and Vancouver kind of page here. It was reported by TSN that the Canucks are exploring the route of a Brock Besser deal because, guys, um, may have, if you listened to the last episode, you may know that the Canucks are in serious cap trouble. Though I don't quite know if dealing Brock Besser is the best way to solve bringing back Tyler to Foley. That's my thoughts. Because apparently it is to help sign with Toffoli, which is insane because Toffoli's like five years older. And he's had like, I think I saw a tweet that Toffoli's had like one 55-point season. Besser's had two. And I think Park Besser's only been in the league for two years. What are your guys' thoughts? Alex? I don't know why they would trade Brock Besser. Mm -hmm. I think they put themselves in the worst situation possible. Um, I'm Let me pull up their cap friendly. And I know we talked about this last episode. Not all their deals are unmovable. Like I, I, I don't think the Anton Roussel deal is unmovable. I, I think the Tanner Pearson deal is absolutely movable. I think, that based on what he's done this year, I think he's created somewhat of a small market for himself. Mm-hmm. But man, it's just Louis Erickson. Uh, even the Tyler Myers deal doesn't look uh, good. Troy Stetcher's on his way out because yeah, of what, the step cap deals. Uh, it, uh, it's funny that when we had Harmon Dial of the Athletic on, he talked about that maybe there could be a Jordy Ben deal to try and help everything out. And instead, the Canucks have gone instead of what normal teams do and you know try and get rid of you know the spare parts of a bit of cap and try and scrape something together. The Canucks have just decided to say, "Hey, let's get rid of probably one of our, if not the best goal scorer on the team." Like this is a guy who was a Calder finalist. It was right up there. People were talking about Matt Barzell. Might have won the the, uh, the Calder if he didn't get hurt. And I don't think Besser's injury problems either are, are anything to try and put him over Tyler Toffoli. No, I, 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 that would be 
to because I I think that was one of the things that were coming out about this is that they like I remember Harmon was saying how much they valued Tyler Toffoli, but do you value Tyler Toffoli enough to trade Brock, Brock Besser? Like, what are you? I think the question I have, if I had to ask Jim Benning one question, is what are you going to get back? For Brock Besser, like I, I know, see a, a Matt Dumba deal, but <laughs> yeah, but then it's like okay, so right now, it, it just doesn't seem to add up. Like you're gonna take on money for Brock Besser, but the whole part point of getting rid of Brock Besser is you want to get draft picks and like prospects, right? Like you, you're not sending out money to bring money in. You're sending out, you're sending out his salary of five point eight seven five million, so that when you have to trade, um, when you have to re-sign Elias Pedersen and Quinn Hughes, you have extra money, mm-hmm. right? So what are you gonna trade Brock Besser for? What do you think, Daniel? The Canucks have so many. When you quickly, you know, uh, phased out there, I brought up the point that. Um, Harmon, we had him on the show, said that there could have been a Jordy Ben deal in the works to try and clear up cap stream to, to re-sign into Folio or Markstrom. But the Canucks have just gone the other way here and are looking to deal one of their best forwards. A young forward at that. Yeah. That's definitely, like, kind of a head-scratcher for me. Especially, like, you know, his I know he's had injury problems, but, you know, that's not a horrible cap hit. And I think I brought it before. It's just the past mistakes we've talked about that, you know, that, like, that dead money right there. Lou Erickson, Jay Beagle, Anton Roussel, that's all twelve million when you put it all together. And yeah. the fact that like you have these contracts on the books and you're thinking I gotta put I gotta get to the core now and try to shed some salary there is just it's pretty disappointing for a team that's on the rise. Oh yeah. Um another team that we kind of thought was on the rise this year but kind of floated back down uh, the Florida Panthers are that team I'm speaking of. Chris Pronger, who has been an executive there for the past few seasons, has left the organization. And it's weird because when I looked at the Panthers, if there's one organization that I said, man, you got to fire your GM, cite the, the Habs, obviously. Uh, how in the world, you know, Talon still has a job in the with Florida? I thought that maybe Pronger was going to be his successor, but apparently he's leaving to start his own business. No. And I was reading stuff about luxury airlines. Excuse me? Yeah. Yeah. So he was on 31 Thoughts. Sorry. He was on 31 Thoughts a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And remember, he was talking about that. I had found this on Twitter, and I'm sorry. I'd, I screenshotted it. I don't remember remember who tweeted it. But this is what it says. There's more to Chris Pronger leaving the Florida Panthers than has been spoken about. Pronger wanted to be the next general manager and should have been the man to, to replace Dale Talon. Word around is that the assistant GM, Eric Joyce, will soon will soon to be elevated to the top job. His background isn't hockey, it's national security. The Panthers continually keep trying to be smarter than everyone else in hockey and somehow fail every time they get cute. That is hilariously true. Hilariously. I mean, see what you want about bringing Pronger in, because he's a former hockey guy, too. I don't know what that does for you, but that's such a weird... 
Wait, wait, say his name again. Who's this guy who was uh, from uh, Eric uh, Joyce? Eric Joyce. National Security. The Panthers are weird, man. The Panthers are weird. I don't get what they're doing. I don't know why. Going off, going off the board with their management as well. I, oh, my God. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying to translate, but my dog is not in a good mood. All right. Let me, let me ask you guys this. Uh, the Panthers, what are you – and now a motorcycle. Seriously? I was talking to Mike, okay? and we got into this discussion – and I asked him, Mike, if he was showing me a picture of him in the cup, and I said, oh, I, I noticed you in the picture not touching the cup because you don't touch the cup, right? And he's like, yeah, of course. No, I, I'll, I never will. And I asked him, do you think if given the chance and the Leafs won the cup and like a Leaf were to offer it to him, do you think Steve Dangle yes. deserves to win the Stanley Cup? Absolutely. His name should be on the cup. Okay, Dan, Dan, Daniel, do you agree? No, I'm not going to acknowledge because it should not be on the cup. I don't know. Ring. He should get a ring. Okay. Well, it's gonna be like Nav. If if Drake gets a ring, if okay, Drake well, gets a ring. My next question. It's gonna be my next question. Hold on. <laughs> Do you think he should, Daniel? Like, like, should Steve and Daniel get the chance to hold it and raise the cup above his head? I don't know. It's like because it's like it he's an attachment head? of another sports network, right? Like, did we see? But yeah, he's like an attachment. Like, you know, he works for Sportsnet. Like, I'm trying to think, like, did did Rod Black get a ring when the Raptors won? I don't know. Or, uh, no, he didn't. Or Leo Routens. No, but we're, we're talking about Steve Dangle. <laughs> this yeah. predated Sportsnet. These, these Leafs fan reactions predated sports, his time at Sportsnet, okay? It's interesting if, thing, like, I just think, like, should he be considered a super fan like yes. Nav is? Yeah? Yes, yes. Well, but Nav spends the money. Yeah. I want to know he how bought, much. Wait, wait. Steve bought a $60 James Reimer figure. Who spends $60 on a James Reimer figure? I am trying to be serious about this, by the way. I'm serious, too. I, 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 I don't know if he can hold it, you know, with his, with his back. I mean, um, I don't know. I don't know if he can pick it up. I don't want him to hurt his back like you did with the oh with my the uh, stones. <laughs> okay. Um. Then what about a ring? Because yeah, we saw Drake got it, but Drake does he he like financially supports one of the training centers, does he not? Yeah, and he's the global ambassador. Or we could have just stuck with this financial support there, and we would have been fine, Daniel. Because Brian Burke said that he has levels of rings for when the Anaheim one, yeah. like he did, like the concession workers one. So, do you think? Like, I don't know if he should touch the cup, but a ring. You should I get guess. a ring. I think, get a ring. Yeah. I think the Raptors did the same thing last year. They have they had the different levels of um, rings as well. Because the one that Drake got was different than the one that the players got. And then he like made his. But own. then he made his own ring. So technically, he has two rings. Will Steve do the same? Yeah, it'll be a ring. uh, I don't think Steve is going to spend the money on a ring. Maybe Mm. if they don't give Steve a ring, he might make his own. I'm sure a fan would make one too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, he's one of be a GoFundMe. Yeah, he definitely would be. He's one of the shining stars of Sportsnet. Um, Unfortunately, (laughs) though, the other big network, TSN, 
this is going to be the last real stretch where Bob McKenzie is going to be full-time over in TS, and he's taking a step back. And it, it feels like an end of an era. And it's, it's he'll still sad. be around. He's not dying or anything. He's just, like, taking a step he's back. He's retiring. I never got to meet him yet. You'll, I'm sure you'll find him. But in all seriousness, guys, this is um, there's a reason he's called the Bob Father. In the NBA, we have Woj Bombs, but in the NHL, we have the Bomb Bob. The Bob Bomb. And this is seriously... And he, it's when you see that Bob McKenzie starts tweeting, he gets those threads going. They're beautiful. I love them. The, the start of NHL Insiders were, was him was Bob McKenzie, guys. A few words to say about the Bob father. Daniel, we'll start with you because I know you're a massive Bob fan. I'm a massive Bob McKenzie fan. I'm not going to lie. I know we've talked about this before. I've said it how many times when we were in class, but he's actually kind of the reason why I went to Ryerson for journalism. Mm-hmm. The fact that, like, he's been, like, my go-to guy for all sports, you know, even when, like, I don't know, like, the one thing that really kind of surprised me and was amazed me was, like, when they kind of lost a lot of those contracts to – Sportsnet, like the content was so consistent still. Like he never really missed a beat. I think um, there's, you know, there's been a lot of changes in TSN, but like he's been like the one consistent guy. Or even when like I don't know, like like he, how serious he kind of takes his work. But at the same time, like when they look back on things, like he could really kind of go like, "Oh, I did all of this," or like, you know, I am a sports analyst but i've made the mistakes too i remember they looked back on i think 1994 or was 96 uh no 94 where he said radic bonk was like a can't miss superstar for the ottawa senators or jeff o'neill was like gonna keep heart like keep the whalers in hartford i remember he said this at the end like he like could laugh at himself for these things so that's what i love about him as he says, as he throws to overdrive with Jeff O'Neill. <laughs> uh, what about you, Alex? Yeah, well, I mean, you guys said a lot, but um, I know if I click on a tweet that has, like there's few people I, I click on a tweet and know that what he's saying for the most part is true. Mm-hmm. I think if I had to... I, if I had to select a few guys, he'd be one of maybe five people. Like it's him, CJ, Elliot, and and I'd even put Dreger in that. Like, yeah, everyone has their has their um, mistakes, but for the most part, those guys consistently come out with um, information that I who else would know. Yeah, I'm probably um, missing a guy, but that's okay. I'm sure um, when it's officially done, and that um, there will be plenty of tributes to the guy. Uh, but Bob, be sure to go to the cottage and enjoy the Bobberitas because you deserve it, man. And uh, your your son's going to be doing, continue to do great work and represent the family name on Sportsnet, uh, guys. We talked a bit about the qualifying throughout the show so far, and it's official. The qualifying does indeed count as the playoffs. So those 24 teams have made the playoffs, including the Montreal Canadiens, the Chicago. Okay, a legitimate question for you. Mm -hmm. So let's say we're three years down the line, and and I know it's it's purely hypothetical. Mm -hmm. We're three years down the line and no playoffs for Montreal. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and Mark Bergevin comes on and says, hey, yeah, you know, the last four years we've, uh, we've made the playoffs once. And he cites this year as like a playoff. Are you, yeah. you going to be satisfied with him? Only if they win a round. As in, the, they, have to, they have to beat the Penguins and then win a round. Otherwise, it doesn't oh, So, so they count. have to win two rounds. Yes, technically. Yeah, okay. they have to win the qualifying in round one. They have this, to make it to the quote unquote second round, which is really the third round. The third round. Yes. No, no, the, the second, the, but technically the but third. But it's technically the yes. third round. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's, so, it's so weird. It's so weird because I, I, I remember when we first got all the news, it seemed like it wasn't going to be yeah. part of the playoffs. And now that it's switched. <coughs> So, I think I was just confused. They're like, all right, so what are you guys calling this? Or what should this really be? Yeah, we, uh, we also know that the stats will be thrown under the playoff uh, umbrella, which is fair. I don't know what else you were going to do with those points. What if, um, what, if he, um, what if Ovechkin scores like 10 goals and then he's 10 was, goals away? I was about to say funny That's that. I'm like, if Ovechkin scores 10 in the qualifying, can we just put that into the regular season, please? And then he ends up 10 points, 10 goals away from Gretzky beating Gretzky's record, and it's just going to be... Bad. I feel like if Ovechkin's like twenty away, I feel like he'll just keep going. Yeah, I can like see that with And like they just get whoever the best playmaker at the time is because I think if you're the league and someone's that close, I think you all have to contribute. He's fifty years old. The goalie just move aside. He's well, to like, see him coming down the lane. <laughs> like Vince Carter's last game, where they just kind of like, yeah, go ahead and shoot some freeze. Oh, you missed! Oh, there! Oh, he has the ball again! Oh, he missed again! Oh no! Wait, which say? last game? Because I feel uh, like he's just had multiple last games. His, his actual last game. All right, that's no, who, oh yeah, I guess at that point they didn't know, or they yeah. didn't. I don't know. Yeah. All right, guys, we have two main nugs of information here. First of all. What, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. This Ryan Nug Hopkins. <laughs> Ryan Nugget Hopkins. No, it's Nuggets of News. Nugs, all right. right? It's British language. Right? Not Hopkins. Not Hopkins. Ryan Nugget Hopkins. Hopkins. God, you have me saying that. All right, guys. So, uh, we'll talk about the CBA in a second. That's the main main event. But we've got the semi main event here. We've got the we've got qualifying to the main race here. Return to play phases three and four. We've got some pretty wicked stuff coming out here. We'll start, first of all. Um, guys, the qualifying is going to be 10 days. It's really nine days. Day 10 is a day off. I hate it. In nine days, we are going to have 52 games of hockey. Holy bleep, guys. That's how- a lot of games. That's a lot of how we're we watching it all. Again, we'll try. There's yes. going to be some overlap. A hockey game is what, sure. like, I'd average two and a half hours. Because I think it's every two hours another game starts. They're kind mm-hmm. of doing it what they like, what they did with the World Cup. Yeah, like 10 to 2, 4, 6 Eastern time, of course. So, yeah, I meant the the soccer World Cup, not the World Cup of hockey. Just, World Cup of hockey. just, to, I, be, I don't just think- to be clear. Anyone thought that, but just I, to, I did. I'm not gonna lie, you did. <laughs> just, just to just to be clear, I, okay. I was talking about this, the actual World Cup. I don't okay. know what mm-hmm. World Cup that. The World Cup of Soccer. Yes. FIFA. Or football. Yes, the FIFA World Cup. 
But you know what, guys? I have it in front of me, right? And it's just the first day we have Carolina, New York. Uh, we have the, as in the Rangers, Islanders, Panthers, Montreal, Pittsburgh, uh, then Chicago, Edmonton, the Flames and the Jets. The next day you have the second round of them. Then you've also got the, um, the other uh, divisional winners going on, guys. This is going to be, for nine days, most of Canada is not going to leave their homes. Like it, that's good, I guess. Like we're just yeah. I mean, right now, yeah, yeah that's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I just I I'd like to think you know, well, what are we gonna do? Watch hockey. I like I'm not leaving my basement whenever we finish it, but I I don't know. I'm not gonna get off the couch. I mean, I'm gonna need. I'm ordering some pizza like every day now. Like, I I seriously I I don't think we're gonna have lives through those nine days. This is, yeah. a, I love it so much, guys. Just, oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Come on. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm just so upset that I have to miss the first two days. Yeah, okay. So how many days are you gone for? Because you're going to a cottage? Yeah, I'm gone. I leave the 31st and I come back uh, the third. Like, I'll be back in the afternoon of the third. So I miss two and, like, I guess – by the time I actually start watching hockey, half, two and a half days. So I'll, I'll miss a Leafs game, but I'm gonna, I'm going to record it. I'll just watch it. I think I'm gone those days too. Might go camping. Hey. So I guess this is the official announcement. We will not be having a show on August 2nd. <laughs> Unless it's just Adam. Unless Adam wants to record by himself. <laughs> so Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie Price, Adam. Carrie Price, Adam. That's that's I'd funny. No, if both of you are gone, then yeah, I guess we're not having August. 7th. We can Whatever. do it on the Monday or the Tuesday. We'll figure it out. Yeah, so that's a later. That's a that's a future us problem. Don't worry that's about a that. Future issue. Yeah, but fifty-two games in nine days. Good God, that's that is it. sexy. Like that is the epitome of. You should do like a bingo, like sheet of like. All right, you make sure and milestones. Five. Yeah. Friendly shot, uh, five on three, shorthanded goal. The Bruins coming back from something. I don't know. Um, Didn't leave your couch for like how many games? (laughs) You binge three. Uh, Also, guys, apparently the rumored start times, and I think this is from Twitter NHL News, which is awesome. Uh, They always put a lot of Bob McKenzie stuff. And it's from Bob McKenzie that uh, the way the schedules would work is – it would be 12 p.m. Eastern in Toronto when game would be. Then it would yeah. be 2 uh, p.m. Eastern in Edmonton, 4 p.m. Toronto, 6 uh, p.m. Edmonton, 8 a.m. Toronto, 10 p.m. Edmonton. But all that's those all times it. are in Eastern. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was just going to make sure. Oh, that's, that's fun. That's fun. That's so beautiful. It's just going to be a full days of hockey. I'll actually stay up to watch the 10 o'clock game. I mean, what do you have anything to do when you wake up the next morning? Watch more hockey. Okay, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> hey, afternoon starts at midday. Mm. Hey, the Habs are good in the afternoon, so hopefully they play the Penguins then. Uh, our next little thing, guys. Uh, I have information on the Toronto bid if you want it. Uh, Sure. Why not? Because I know we didn't know what the Toronto bid was, so I did some digging. Um, or, or do we want to wait to when we talk about the fate of hockey is in the hands of the players? Okay, yeah, that's right, fine. Yeah. 
Uh, we also have some more significant dates. So tomorrow, Monday, July 13th, uh, training camps will open. Also, by tomorrow, teams will have to have their 31-man 30 man team rosters in. Some teams like Tampa and Toronto have already started to get their dates out. Uh, the 26th of July, teams will travel to their hub cities. Exhibition games will be uh, July 28th to 30th. The Stanley Cup qualifiers begin on August 1st. The Phase 2 NHL draft lottery, where um, – those teams who fail to qualify for the first round will all have a shot at Alexis Lafreniere. The first round will begin August 11th. The second round begins on August 25th. Conference final will be September 8th. September 22nd will be the cup final. The last possible day of the cup final, August, oh, sorry, October 4th. The 2020 draft will be the 9th and 10th, but a few of those dates are subject to change, of course, but fingers crossed. Any of those kind of days that you look at and you think, mm, maybe in the raising eyebrow or you guys all thinking this, you look good. back in school when there's the Stanley Cup finals. But we're still going to be online. I'm going to be at home, so. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to if, have midterm if, on August 4th. Uh, <laughs> if, uh, if we have a 7 p.m. Gary Gold class. I hope he knows that I will be watching the Stanley Cup final. Man, Gary, could you imagine the leap for the has made the cup final and we had a class? I, I'm not going. I wouldn't go. I'd say, hey, Mike, Clay, let's have a watch party or something. Screw that. Just go on the Zoom call, but like, don't put your camera on. Yeah. No, I'll have and my no, camera on. Then, I'll, I'll have my camera on. But yeah, and then you just see. <laughs> got like gear got my gear on. It's just all excited. Or it's just the alternative and you just see like, Oh, it's massive. I think the props are too cool in our program that they won't. They would be like, "Oh, I'm watching it too," or something. Ah, yeah. Gary, maybe Gary. maybe Gary, because apparently for some reason, every time he brings up hockey, it's like just bash the Leafs. Okay. Blow another lead. Okay. Oh, I uh, love it. I love uh, it. But you just to I guess answer your question about the dates. I I, I think that if things go to plan based on um, how the NHL has set things up. Um, I, I do think that these dates are quite possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, next bit of little bit of news here. Uh, of course, players, Frank Cervelli, I think that was the first one to break it. Um, but now official that every player will have a chance to opt out. They have until tomorrow uh, specifically to say. So far, we know that Boston, Stephen Camphor, Calgary's Travis Hammond, that's a big one, uh, Edmonton's Mike Green, Sven Barchi of the Vancouver Canucks, and Carl Olsner of the Montreal Canadiens have all chosen to opt out. Um, also, there's a bit of an asterisk, but uh, Max Domi has another seven to ten days to come to Montreal's training camp. A big part of it is they want to make sure everyone in Montreal are good, they're safe, uh, and also give Max the sort of, you know, make sure you're okay, buddy. Make sure at this point you're still comfortable. And then, uh, of course, by the time he does a physical, making sure he's actually able to play whether or not, guys. But well, what I really want to ask you guys is – sorry, go ahead, Alex. No, I think there was a couple other players um, – as well, who won't be there because they signed in Europe. I know Roman Polak. Then there's uh, Zach Trotman in Pittsburgh, but it mm-hmm. says it's unknown if it's injury or family related. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mikhail Vorobyov, uh, Philadelphia, uh, signed in KHL and will not play for the Flyers. Uh, Nikolai Goldobin, another guy who signed in the KHL. 
Damn. Uh, and then there are also some injuries. Notably, Steven Stamkos might not be around. But uh, specifically, focusing on the players who have chosen to opt out, and we'll, we'll talk about sort of like Hamnet, Green, um, Alsner, those main guys who we know for sure. Uh, what do you guys make that? We're actually seeing some players choose South out because I didn't think we would, guys. What do you think? Starting with you, Daniel. Yeah, I kind of felt that too. Like we talked about it before where in baseball or basketball, like these guys tend to be a bit more outspoken. Uh, be more individualistic, I think, when it came to opting out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it's pretty surprising that we see that it's the same kind of reasons that these NHL players are giving. And I think the one, I guess, that uh, the one case that I kind of saw was Travis Halmanick, which was surprising. I know, like, he's doing it for family, which, like, is, is great, but it's just crazy because he is a pending free agent. And I just was wondering, like, you know, that's a big risk to kind of take for someone that, you know, he's had, like, you know, he's always that solid shutdown guy, but, you know, he didn't really have a spectacular season. A lot of respect for him, uh, by the way. Uh, Alex? Yeah, I was, I think, a little surprised. I think, you know, I think at the end of the day, hockey players are going to, like, I don't think any person has been in a situation like this. Like, and hockey players just remember our people. Um, so I think they really did weigh the pros and cons here. And these guys said the, the uh, cons outweigh the pros. So I'm, I'm going to stay home. Mm-hmm. So we might see a few more, like uh, that wouldn't be a surprise to me either. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, if you're somebody who's um, criticizing these players, um, you're a loser. Um, uh, you are just a flat-out loser. And to the people that are uh, trashing Carl Alsner, saying he was already an AHLer, uh, you're also losers um, because this is a guy who is um, – listen, this is a guy who had a wicked Iron Man streak. He played a lot more NHL games than you probably have uh, because you haven't played one. Uh, this is a guy who people have said nothing but good things about, and being a good person goes a long way in life. There's, you can just be like, high smile the cameras, but Carl Alsner – no one will ever say a bad thing about the guy. Um, World junior captain. World junior captain. Um, and it's not his fault that he just isn't as good and he's not a part, like the type of defense when you really need in this game anymore. Um, and he's put his family first and his health first, which, um, again, I'm sure there are a lot of NHLers, and this is pure speculation, that probably don't want to play, but they will because they feel pressured to. Um, yeah. Anything else you guys want to say before we move on to um, – actually, yeah, Alex, you wanted to bring up the Toronto bid. What's going on exactly? Yeah, I, cu- I, didn't, lo- I didn't look for the Edmonton bid, if I'm being honest, but I did look for the Toronto bid just because I think that was – the we talked about it on the podcast before, and there was um, multiple questions about it. Um, so apparently this bid is different than the original bid that was – since I guess at the beginning, the original bid was really centered around building a bubble in the downtown core uh, around Scotiabank Arena. Uh-huh. So I guess having multiple buildings that are players only. So right. I'm assuming the Scotiabank Arena plus, um, I, I believe across the sh- I don't across the street. I know there's the sports check and the Metro. Next to it is there's I believe hotels and offices. So I don't, I don't know how that would work. I couldn't find more about that plan, but the plan 
that it is now is it's so it's going to be a 40 acre campus like bubble based on the CNE grounds. You, I'm assuming like, have both of you been to the CNE? Yeah. Okay. So what, um, it, it kind of is, is I, I, so on one end there's the OVO athletic center. This is how the 40 acres would kind of work. One end is the 40, um, the OVO Athletic Center, which is the Raptors practice facility. And I believe it would stretch all the way across Daniel to the Princess Gates. Oh, okay. That, because the things that are included in it, like BMO Field, Coca-Cola Coliseum, which is where the Marlies play, the OVO Athletic Center, plus the Hotel X, which is one of the hotels that were chosen. So, so yes, it's technically still downtown, but it's a lot more secluded than being in in the downtown core in the middle of in the middle of like Young and Dundas or where yeah. I, or Young and Bloor. So I think it it looks like a much better job of making sure that the players are actually kept all in one place, and the the risk of fans have are, are limited because of how their bubble how they position their bubble it's a bit of a stretch getting there i always remember seeing yeah. days yeah where are, where are the hotels in relation to the bubble so the hotel x which is the one where i believe the four um the four divisional teams in pittsburgh is staying is within the actual bubble itself mm-hmm. uh which it has 400 i wrote this down it's the nicer f- one, by the way. I was looking at it's the four hundred four hundred four rooms. It has multiple meeting rooms, two ballrooms, a cinema, a screening room, a three-level sky bar, a rooftop pool, an art gallery, and squash and tennis courts. All right, uh, there. the the Royal Royal York, which is a little bit, is about ten minutes away. Uh, I think from the bubble has 1300 rooms, over 1300 rooms and four restaurants. And that includes the rest of rest of the teams, Toronto, Montreal, Carolina, Islanders, Rangers, Blue Jackets, and the Panthers. All right. Uh, So I I think they did a better job at, at this, this bubble than even just the sound of the original bubble, which is we're making a bubble in the downtown core, mm-hmm. sounds like a mess. I think they, they, the strategy, like they made, they like created, was, I think it, it's worked really well so far, like from what we've heard. Yeah. They're able to like use the space as much as possible downtown. So it's yeah. at like front and university, all right. Where's what I'm looking at? Fairmont, it's so a Fairmont Royal York, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, by the way, uh, why the hell are we making that public? Why are we saying where each team is? That's so dumb. Uh, that seems weird. Well, I guess for Hotel X, they can't really get – fans won't be able to get in there. But the Roy- the only thing I'd be interested in seeing is how it works during the day. Like if you're a player, it's – and maybe it's I, I miss it. Like I read I read the return to play thing yesterday, and I I I, I it, was, it was freaking long, right, Adam? Like I sent yeah. it to you. It was long. I I could have missed it in terms of if you're let's say Austin Matthews, uh, do you have to go to the forty acre bubble, or can you choose to stay at the hotel but only stay at the hotel? 
there's a lot of application. Like, I, yeah, I, I read it too. There was some, we're, we're kind of put it into it. A lot of it was kind of making okay, make sure everything's sanitized, like sanitizing that. What I thought was really interesting about the return to play thing was you, like the div, the four group divide of how like this group may not have contact with this like hotel staff and that. Yeah. It's just with me now is is the hopes and dreams of hockey coming back now lays in the hands of the players. Right. Um, because a lot of this is they have to clean up after themselves. They have to, you know, the face masks, all this kind of stuff. And also, we now have to rely on the wild card of the hotel workers. Um, because, like, I always I feel worse for the hotel workers because, let's be honest, none of them want to do this. And, like, you can't just say, well, then get a different job in this circumstance. So, like, that... I'm still worried. Like I, mm-hmm. I am filled with a lot more confidence reading it, but at the same time, a lot of it very much is wash your hands, laminate um, with the addition of like, it's all locked yeah. up. In the- uh, for, for me um, in terms of, I think a lot of, a lot of, a, a lot needs to be put on the players. Mm-hmm. The NHL. And I think this is a discussion we had on, on the podcast before, but is the any like, do you trust the NHL? Right. I think we've had that discussion, right? A few episodes ago. Yeah. Yeah. The NHL has now thrown this, this extremely detailed plan on this is what has to happen. If you guys want to play, this is what you need to do. If you don't want to do these things, don't come. If you do these things while you're here, you're, we will ask you to leave. And now it's up to the players. And I think, yes, the obviously there, there, there is the, the risk with the hotel workers, but there's a lot of things that the players have to do. And if you decide not to do them at the end of the day, not only are you risking yourself, you've decided to risk the hotel workers. You've decided to risk the rest of the players. And I think a lot has to be put on the players at this point. Yeah. If they screw it up. I agree as well that uh, it's there. I don't know. I was going to say the balls in their court. Now, now I guess the, the puck is in their zone. Now the pucks in deep. Yeah, that you know they have to, they have this side of the bargain. They gonna have to be responsible for now. That they have to kind of show that you know if all these are in place now that like they're adhere to the rules. That you know we're not gonna see someone like uh, I'm saying at the St. Louis Blues. We're not gonna see them at a local bar or something because right. like you know you know if that can happen in St. Louis with that coverage, you know it's gonna happen like a millisecond in Toronto. Oh God, yeah. absolutely. I, I, and another thing is like. I think the expectation I, I from my re, like looking online it seems like a lot of um expectation from the fans is that there's going to be zero covid cases I I just don't know how realistic that is I think there's probably uh, throughout the throughout the 2 to 3 months there are going to be multiple covid cases that come up but what the nhl has to do and and i think they've detailed this in their plan is it's a matter of taking action on it is going back and contact tracing um making sure okay if austin matthews tests positive within the bubble okay who did he have contact with over the last 14 days uh nylander Janssen, like whoever whoever it is Right, that you have to go back, make sure they're tested. Whatever the whatever they've detailed, because I can't imagine Gary Bettman and Bill Daly sat down and wrote this thing themselves. I, I, I'm I'm extremely confident that there were scientists and doctors involved in this. 
right? It's so science. it's science. science, right? So I think if they follow the rules and they do, and the NHL itself, when it comes time to dealing with a positive test, adheres to their policies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel, anything else you want to add? No, um, Alex kind of dealt through uh, detailed everything. Um, I think too, like we just want to see like how the players are kind of kind of deal with all of this, and you know, like worst comes to worst, if a case does come up, I'm hoping that you know they have the measures in place to kind of deal with that in the bubble and make yeah. sure that not, not everything is compromised. <laughs> Quickly before we move on, I don't know if you guys you guys have seen this. Uh, Disney World opened up yesterday. Idiots. And you know where the NBA is playing? Disney just, World. just across the street, that's technically still part of Disney World, the ESPN World of Sports or whatever the hell it's called. I had someone ask me yesterday, I was talking to one of my friends yesterday, and they're like, but Disney World opened yesterday, and the NBA is playing at Disney World. I'm like, you're right. So then I go search it up. Technically, it's across the street from Disney World. Technically, I, but it th- still doesn't make a smart thing to do. Yeah, Florida. We're not going to re- rush everything reopening. Florida, I th- I open the biggest theme park in the world. They sh- just shattered records. In Florida. 15,300 new cases today. All right. Well, um, what we'll do now is we'll finish off talking about the CBA. Uh, so again, it has been ratified. Everything is official, thank God. Don't have to stress over putting the show together with everything being an asterisk next to it. Um, but guys, I want to hear each of yours, kind of like the biggest thing, your biggest takeaway, the thing you like the most about this CBA. Starting with, uh, we'll start with you, Daniel. Why not? Uh, I think player trades being less restrictive now, I think that's a big thing that uh, I think we're going to see that... Uh, I don't know, like it's it like it may like pave the way now for like more trades to kind of occur. I think like that was one thing that they've talked about before. Where like the NHL is like the league where it's like the hardest to move players, especially like those high-profile type of contracts. And we've mentioned the Zach Parise one, where it's like you know it was virtually unmovable for so long, and now you know with the new CBA, we may see more movements now moving forward. Mm. Kind of saving teams, I think that like buyers remorse, I think. Oh, oh, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, Alex, what about you? Um, I really – I don't know if it, – it's not necessarily something I like. It was just the thing that kind of stood out to me the most, which maybe doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, is the, uh, the salary cap, how it's structured. Uh, um, what would like – yeah, what, what specifically? Because – and and as the more I listen to Brian Burke talk about it and the more I actually think about it, the more his train of thought makes a whole lot more sense to me. Um, so right now, what they put in the CBA, sorry, uh, is so right, it's going to be for next year, 81 and a half million is the, the highest limit. And it will remain that until uh, preliminary hockey related revenue surpasses 3.3 billion, uh, 3.3 billion dollars uh, for any league year where preliminary HRR is between 3.3 billion and 4.8 billion 
which I believe the 4.8 billion is what they had uh, last season. The limit shall be between 81 and a half and 82 and a half on a pro rata basis. Um, once preliminary HHR for the immediately preceding league year surpasses 4.8 billion, the upper limit will increase by $1 million per league year until the escrow balance is paid off. So the, the thing that confuses me is, so we're going to play the rest of the playoffs and we're going to play the playoffs and this qualifiers, whether you want to consider part of the playoffs or not. It is. It, technically it is, but some people probably wouldn't either way with no fans in the stands. And if you think about it, if you're in the playoffs, you're not charging the same for a regular season. That is the same for a regular season ticket. You're going to charge more. So they're losing the, a lot of money now. And <clears throat> if miracu- miraculously a vaccine comes like Fauci, Dr. Fauci said in the end of December and or in January, okay, then maybe we'll have fans in stands for next year. But if we're using history to determine how what this vaccine is, we don't know when this vaccine is going to come, right? So we're potentially losing next year's ticket sales, mm-hmm. which for the, for the National Hockey League, I believe takes up six, almost 60% of their hockey-related revenue. Mm-hmm. So how – so – the thing for me is we're capping escrow at 20% next year. And then it's it's going to decrease over the rest of the, uh, over the rest of the, the CBA. But so for me, the owners are taking a huge hit if things don't go the right way, because yes, they're getting the money from the rest of the money from Seattle, but, They've all Seattle's already been making payments, so it's not like they're getting 750 million uh, as soon as they get in the league. They have to split the um, the US TV deal, right? Do they split the US TV deal? I, I don't think they split that or Seattle. No, I know, they don't sp- I know they don't split Seattle, but a lot of Seattle money, I, at this point, I believe it would have been half, has already been paid. They've been yeah, making I, payments. I don't, because I think Adam Wilde kept saying, and then he, he turned back, and he, I don't 100% know if the, the USCB deal is. I'll okay, try and but find if you can find it. But they're still taking a huge, they're taking a huge hit. So I don't know how you keep the salary cap if you're losing if you're losing ticket sales it's the, it's hard to keep the salary cap like that and have no salary rollbacks and sure it's 30 like Brian Burke says okay next year's 30% because of the 20% escrow and the 10% deferral but we don't know like the repercussions we don't even know what the economic repercussions could reach to for a league like the NHL after this pandemic ends. Mm -hmm. So I I think there's a lot of unanswered questions and I think a lot of it is based on, okay, the US TV deal, the, the rest of the Seattle money, 
Is there going to be a vaccine? Are we going to have uh, fans in the building? Because if those things don't happen, the owners are going to take. Uh, and and I get a lot of people are anti-owner because every time we have a CBA, there's the group of fans that come with to the uh, go to the defense of the owners and a group of the defense uh, group of people that go to the defense of the players. But let's just do, let's not be crazy and let's think there, there's a reason they're million they're millionaires and the players are millionaires and these guys are billionaires these guys want to keep as much money as possible for that so for them to take a hit they have something has to be like they must be anticipating something uh-huh Daniel, so, a, lot of, a lot of hypotheticals like alex mentioned yeah. that there's so many things that we don't know Yet, like the CBA is a great framework, but in no way, like it is kind of like set in stone with a lot of things. Like a lot of the articles talk about like that new TV contract or like what Seattle's kind of, kind of is going to bring to things. Um, but it's, it is, it is kind of like all up in the air right now, like what the owners are going to do. Like I, I was like jokingly thinking, I'm like, are we starting to see jerseys for like $900 <laughs> or something to like compensate for things? Or we're just going to see like, I don't know, other ways to just try to have these add-ons now to try to recoup the revenue. But, you know, so much we don't know what's going to happen in a year or two. Like, maybe when we're over that, when we cross those bridges, we'll see how the rest of the CBA kind of pans out up until 2026. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. Uh, to finish up, I just have a list of maybe some, uh, some bits of the CBA we can talk about. Um, the most important is probably the cap space. Uh, the most interesting very well could be player details and trading. Um, but I do think the most important for the good of the game change is that um, subject to an agreement with IIHF and the IOC, um, because of how long this agreement runs, that the league and the PA have committed to the 2022 and the 20 motorcycles, the 2022 and 2026 winter Olympics, uh, which is, you said it earlier, it's not the biggest win for the players, but with this, the star players get a chance to go to the Olympics and the guys who are not going to make it, the 99% are going to get some sweet vacation time. And like, this does such good for the good of the game. The Olympics. It's just so fun. So I, I didn't realize it until probably the last few weeks, but God, I miss the Olympics. As in, and to me, the Olympics are ice hockey. The Summer Olympics are the 100 meter dash. It's been Usain Bolt. The Winter Olympics is hockey. And it, it speaks volumes to me that apparently the, the IOC extended an olive branch to the NHL because they both have kind of realized they need each other. And uh, I love it. I love it so much. The Olympics. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how fond, you know, looking at how the schedule works out, how fond they're going to be of going to these 2020 or the league is a play. Like obviously at this point, they've already said, okay, discuss with the IOC, but I don't know how fond of that decision they're going to be when you're coming up with the schedule for next year and the year after, considering how much hockey these guys will be playing. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting because I think, you know, the more hockey they play, the more likely, the more competitive hockey they play, the higher chance that they could get injured. 
Yeah, but most the play most the NHL players are getting a vacation from this though. Okay, but the star players are going. You know how much like a okay. Let's let's talk, let's talk about a um, a market with a superstar but a poor fan base. Buffalo. I'm kidding. No, no, they're actually pretty good. No, uh, let, no yeah, Buffalo is a weird example because they have a poor team and great fan base. Mm-hmm. You let's Oliver Ekman Larson. Why not? Okay, Alvar Ekman Larson is Swedish. Yes. Yes. Okay, so let's say he get he goes to the Olympics, um, and gets injured. That takes a hit on on what happens when he comes back. Like, what happens with the team in terms of fan? Like, yes, they already have minimal fans coming, but if I'm going to see Arizona, I'm not going to see Arizona play. Uh, to go watch Christian Fisher or Nicholas Yarmelson. I'm going to see Oliver Ekman Larson. I'm going to see Phil Kessel. I'm going to see maybe three players. Clayton so, Keller. So it, do you think they shouldn't go then? From an NHL business standpoint, if a player gets injured and the and the NHL teams have to pay their the insurance uh, or they have to pay their contracts because those contracts aren't insured at the Olympics, no, it does not make sense because they're t- paying out of pocket. And what do you personally want? Personally, personally, I they can go. Yeah, why not? But no, no, it's no, not. not they yes. Can go. What do you yes, want? Yes, sure. Yes, yes. I'd like to like them to go, but All not right. everything's one point of view. I'm just saying the players like it. The NHL is a business. Like it helps the NHL is a, yes, they should go to China, but why, why? go We're, in 2026? It's Italy. Are you going to grow to grow the game in Italy? You should grow in anywhere you can. But how many why hockey players, let alone come in Italy? Okay, listen, I I told you guys I needed to go quicker. And, like, I again, we're supposed to rapid fire through this. Daniel, your thoughts on the Olympics? Uh, kidded me wants them to go like you know the olympics is always a happy time and it's, it's still with me that i want that but i think i don't think to say so much the asterisk of it going like all right what is the fatigue or like gonna look like on the players on the business side of things uh i know that they're out of playing out of pocket but i need the t- when i agree i want the game to kind of grow wherever it kind of goes you know no matter what don cherry says where it's like no fan here is going to watch in the middle of the night. Untrue, the World Juniors had a lot of viewings when it was in Russia. Sorry, Don, but I agree. I need the I want the game to grow. I'd stay up to watch it. By the way, uh, the league wanting an 82-game season next week, next year, that's on them. They're idiots for that. Uh, next sort of thing, I want to talk to you guys about capture capture. Uh, this is from Michael Russo, The Athletic. Uh, source, cap recapture, Parisi Suter in brackets, amended a new uh, NHL, NHL, PA, CBA. There is no longer a charge greater than the contract's AAV in any year, but charge continues until full overage is paid. What that basically means, ladies and gentlemen, is um, Zach per- there's a situation where Shea Weber retired on a certain year because he has one of these old CBA deals, where Nashville could have a single-year cap hit or recapture penalty, sorry, of over $20 million. The same can somehow happen with Parisian Suter. Now, with this amendment, the NHL have again saved owners from themselves, and the cap it for Parisian Suter can be no greater than $7.5 million. A lot of savings. That's it's good. Just o- it's just the owners, uh, the league saving the owners from themselves. Yes. Uh, I... 
first things they did pre-2012, 2013, sorry. Around there. Uh, we talked about stuff yeah, like... Yeah, pre-2013, yeah. Because yeah. the summer of 2012 where I was hoping Zach Parise would come back for another finals run with the Devils. Nope. The Devils, Ilya Kovalchuk, they're another team. They 41-year-old Martin Broder carrying the team. All right, <laughs> let's let's talk about <laughs> okay. this. Okay. All right. Um, it's it's weird. I thought that maybe there would be some sort of, or it sounded like at some point during the year, term was always a talking point. And I thought like, all right, maybe there's going to be some sticking point to six or something. Another little edit here that I found really interesting is now players who are dealt can immediately sign an eight-year extension when they're traded instead of having to wait till post-trade deadline. Like Eric Carlson, that's kind of situation. It was at seven, now it's at eight. Uh, that's, a, that's a red flag for me, guys. I don't know about you. In what way? Like the owners are going to just straight up sign them for eight years? Like yeah, there's a, instead them? of lowering it down, now you've immediately given them the chance for another year. And I, I mean, this year, I don't know how many players are going to be, or owners are in a situation. But again, in three, four years, I don't want to. I don't like. I, don't, I just, it, the Eric Carlson deal now scares me. That you're going to give another sort of year for players. It's good for players. Don't get me wrong. But so sorry. Just what is it exactly that so, if, if they get traded before the deadline of so their contract year? Anytime they get dealt now. They can sign. Yeah, once there is the year, once you're eligible for an extension, you can immediately do eight. When before, if you were so Eric Carlson could only sign a seven year until the deadline. Then he can sign right. eight. Mark Stone at the deadline right away, eight years. But normally, if it's if you sign it before it, it would only be seven years. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. Ah, good for the. I just thought seventeen years. <laughs> oh, thank God. Um, and I mean. <laughs> That Rick DiPietro contract. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, another little bit of contract stuff we have here, guys. Um, the UFA interview period is gone. We can go straight to the, it's 12 p.m., July 1st. Pick up the phone, boys. Let's go, free agent frenzy. Okay, but let's not pretend that that's not going to happen, even though this period is uh, technically not in the. In, in, in the books, it's it, it's going to happen. I don't think it will be as bad, but it will definitely. There's going to be more drama. Well, at twelve oh one, when John, when uh, when who, let, name a player, uh, Taylor Hall signs the contract Rex at twelve oh one to a different team that's not the Arizona Coyotes, that does that definitely raises some uh, red flags in terms of this CBA. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Right? see. Daniel. Um, I don't know, speedy process. Uh, I, I already kind of felt like compared to other leagues, the NHL was kind of quick when it came to announcing their signings already. So it's going to be even quicker now. Like, you know, like the NBA, I think I mentioned it before. We're like, you know, I think the biggest thing was like the summer of 2010, where like literally every superstar was a free agent. Yeah. You still had to wait like seven to 10 days until someone like said, okay, I'm going to this other team. Right. Yeah. I kind of like And last year it was. You know, it was the same thing, but it was so yeah. so much quicker, right? Like we found out, uh, KD gets traded, or his signing rights get traded. Mm-hmm. And Kyrie signs right away. Oh, we had to like, wait okay. for Kawhi. Yeah. 
Uh, for him to hurt us. Collide and died. Uh, next piece of little information from the CBA here. Teams can no longer trade players and acquire assets with the condition of that player re-signing with the team they were dealt to. So uh, the Ottawa Senators have been saved um, now. The, the Sharks, that kind of stuff, like the Eric Carlson deal, those sort of situations will no longer be happening. Um, I kind of – that was another sort of – this is what I'm not a fan of, actually, because I liked that kind of you're now watching the Sens or the Sharks all year to see where that pick lands. They were fun. Like, I felt that uh, that added, like, another level of, like, how am I going to keep following this trade after it happens, how uh, this guy's going to perform on his new team. Like, um, so, Adam, with this, is this is also affect the Lucic-James uh, Neal trade with that third rounder? Mm-hmm. I, I think so. Yeah, there was like, an it was... issue. There was an issue with that one. I think they had to get involved. The NHL had to get involved with that one. That was like a weird one. That it was like if James Neal scores twenty-one goals with the Oilers, but Lucic gets less than ten. Gets like ten scores get yeah, ten or less than Neal, then the third rounder like goes. Oh, it's such a. <sighs> I wonder. I think for me, I, I, it makes me wonder how it affects trade value in terms of what the actual trade turns out to be. Cause you know, you see, let's talk just quickly, the Taylor Hall one, right. It was a first uh, two prospect or three prospects in like a third. And that third could change if he resigns and they win a round or something like that. I wonder how it, how that trade, that trade looks. If that pick is not, if that condition isn't available. Mm-hmm. Uh, last bit of little spicy nug here. So, and this has always been kind of stood out. Like, how was this never a thing? No trade and no move clauses shall always travel with the players in the event of an assignment or trade or waivers. Yeah. Reason this is weird. Funny, funny little situation for you. A few days after PK Subban was traded, he was supposed to have a no move clause kick in. But then once he was dealt to Nashville, he then lost it. And then that's how he was so easily dealt to New Jersey. Uh, what do you guys make of it's how in the hell, first of all, this wasn't something that was available and it wasn't already a standard in the CBA, but now players have it. Daniel, quickly, you probably you might know this. Was this a hockey or was it a basketball thing where it was up to the teams if they wanted to keep the no move or no trade clause or was it neither uh, of them because i remember i remember it being a discussion i just don't remember which sport i can't remember that's fine i yeah. might have been hockey i thought that they it was the option of the team that was acquiring the player that they could can they could continue the no move no trade clause mm-hmm. it feels like such a a breach of contract. To me. Yeah, like it was never technically used <laughs> in like any of the Subban deals. Poor guy. He didn't deserve it. Never asked for a trade. Unbelievable. Anything else you guys want to say? I think that's that's everything from my notes. PK will rise again. PK, I hope he does. I think he's got the energy. He's got the drive. His back just has tests to hold up. Him and, Steve. Uh, him and Steve with these back issues. Yeah. You put them both together, together, they've got the durability of a straw to the durability <laughs> of a small stone, maybe. I don't know. Um, all right, guys. That's everything. If you are a listener, 
hello, first of all. We love you. We do miss doing two episodes, but I imagine once the playoffs get going, very quickly we'll go back to doing um, two. Alex texted me the other day and he said, I miss doing two episodes. And I said, Alex, I feel the same way. I feel so weird. I was ready to record on Wednesday. Like I have class Wednesday morning and I'm like, oh, nothing, I guess, until 7 (laughs) p.m. Nothing. You can finish your Lego Batman. Is it done? In the future, it will be. Silence means no. Dude, you have like three. Is it still like three bags? I have like three bags left. Yeah, it's just like there's like one part in it. Like I actually had to find a YouTube. Like it's so like you know like the cockpit that slides. It's so difficult to attach onto it. It's but okay. anyways, yeah. These things take time. It's okay. Yeah. Do you have the box in front of you? Uh, somewhere I have to get it, but okay. I'll show it next episode. Because I was gonna say, Daniel, you do know the recommended age is like ten, right? No, this one is like fifteen plus. Oh, really? Yeah. That's advanced, man. <laughs> you chose the All advanced right. one. Um, if that's everything, then I guess I'll quickly check Twitter to see if there's any sort of... Oh, man, Sidney Crosby just opted out. Oh, my God! Can you imagine? If anyone... Oh, wow. I almost um, believed you. I almost believed you. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I, I can tell the tone. I know. All right. That's, that's everything, then. All right. Well, if you, the listeners, enjoyed the show, there's tons of ways you can support it. Check out the YouTube channel for a visual experience to see me and Alex roll our eyes at each other because we never agree. Um, look at Daniel slowly go off into the side because he's so sick of us. Um, check out all of our social medias. I'll be in the link below. Why are on YouTube? Check out my Habs um, channel. By the way, I'm going to be once Montreal releases their 30-man roster, I'll be breaking that down in the video. Um, Thank you to Voice Ed, as always, for continuing to be a great platform for the show. Am I forgetting it? Show, follow the show on Twitter. And, oh, no, we don't have Twitter. Instagram and Facebook to get the discussion going and find updates. August 10th, by the way, will be our a special live stream episode because that will be the second draft lottery. Mike will be there as well if you're a fan of him. Why wouldn't you be? Perfect. Hey. See you guys.